Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Randomly Generated History Club, where three non-historians pick a year at random and try to learn things about it. I'm Anna, and I'm here with my two friends, Will and Ant. Hello. 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 Uh, this week, we're talking... Or should I say, boo? Oh. Ah! <laughs> because you don't like anything that I'm doing right now. <laughs> boo. No, because I'm spooky. That's right. It's a spooky day today. It is Halloween. Happy Halloween to those All who Saints celebrate. Day. Um, hope you are full of tricks and not and treats. Pumpkins. And pumpkins. <laughs> I hope you are full of Most pumpkins. Most overrated vegetable, by the way. Yeah. Nothing good about pumpkin. Is it a vegetable? Yeah. Well, is pumpkin a vegetable? I don't know. You know how some of them are like, oh, a tomato is actually a fruit. Avocado is actually a fruit. I feel like, and like peanuts aren't nuts. They're legumes. Oh, like, okay. Is a pumpkin I'm pretty a, sure pumpkins are fruit. Is a I pumpkin mean a fruit? It's a fruit. What? Yeah, because it's the product of the seed-bearing structure of flowering plants. Uh, okay, boo me then. <laughs> boo you. Boo you. But yay, 1989, which is the year we're talking about today, mm -hmm. uh, as chosen by our noble and generous patron, Christine. Is it true that she is the most beautiful person to ever have existed? It is true. And smartest? Yeah. It was like Helen of Troy for a really long time, <laughs> and then Christine. And... Uh, you too can be the most beautiful, in, intelligent person in the world if you just uh, uh, donate to our Patreon. Since Christine. That's Since Christine. Christine. Yeah, 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 sorry, Christine. Something to I knock guess. that bitch off her perch. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're about to be usurped. Um, but yeah, that's right. We will take money from anyone oh, yeah. and and, uh, and bless you with our favor. <laughs> uh, so let's do our three-word previews. Ant, you want to give yours? Not so evolved. Not so evolved. Mm -hmm. Unlike Christine, who is highly evolved. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, for sure. And Will? Aliens and communism. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Remember the twain shall meet. Finally, the truth will out. <laughs> I know. All right. My three words are why, just cause. Nice. Just cause or just cause? Indeed. Hmm, yeah. Interesting. 
All right, so let's uh, go ahead and get started then. All right, I'm up first today, and I want to address the elephant in the room, uh, which is the fact that upon hijacking the random number generator and choosing the year 1989, Christine, our noble and beautiful and intelligent patron, did so with the intention that I would talk about Taylor Swift. Now, as is customary with our podcast, I prepared my report on Taylor Swift and fed it to the random number generator Mm. to gain its approval. Mm -hmm. In this instance, it did reject. It was too good. It it, it rejected my proposal. Yeah. And it said that uh, no one who is still creating this much history can be discussed (laughs) on the podcast and that it hopes we're all enjoying 1989 Taylor's version. Uh, So we are going to record a Taylor Swift special for the Patreon mm. where you can enjoy the tidbits that I drummed up about the queen I've of the universe. I've learned so much about her as well, studying yeah. for this. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So many facts. I did. I set you a really rigorous exam. Did you know that she's 13 foot tall? <laughs> she is. Don't don't give away all the facts. You'll have to save it for the Patreon. Many more to come from. <laughs> <laughs> so instead of talking about Taylor Swift, I am talking about the next best thing, which is baseless U.S. military invasions of other countries. <laughs> <laughs> this will be a short episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to read a list. Uh, no, today specifically, Specifically, we'll be talking about Panama and then the U.S. invasion of Panama in 1989. So our story today begins with a man named Manuel Noriega. Have you heard of him? I have heard of him, yes. Inventor of the hat. (laughs) In Panama. (laughs) Inventor of the hat, digger of the canal. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. he's a man of many talents. (laughs) Um, So in the 60s and 70s, Noriega was a rising star in Panama. He was in the military and he ultimately became the country's head of intelligence and was basically a fixer for Omar Torrijos, who was the dictator of the time, never actually the president. Um, And Noriega is described as doing Torrijos's dirty work. Like throwing a priest out of a helicopter. It's pretty dirty. <laughs> pretty <work>. dirty. <laughs> really? Yeah. And the priest's crime was that his agricultural cooperative was seen as a threat to oh, the right. well, Panama that's government. Right enough, then, yeah. Yeah. Controlling the prices of corn. <laughs> that's right. So out of the helicopter he went. So that just sets the scene a little bit about what Noriega is like as a person. Uh, he ultimately gets involved in drug trafficking, which brings him to the attention of the U.S. And he's seen by the U.S. as an obstacle in their uh, quest to combat drug trafficking in Central and South America. And they consider assassinating him, of course. Mm-hmm, as you do. That's what the U.S. Get the helicopter. Good at. <laughs> yeah, right. Hoisted <laughs> by his own petard. Uh, but this is where it gets interesting. Even though the U.S. knows he's involved in the drug trade, they also hire him as an informant for the CIA. Ah, the old classic the old- <laughs> conflict of in- yeah. interest. <laughs> yeah. Keep your friends close. Keep your enemies as paid informants of your intelligence apparatus. He's informing it himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, in fact, his drug dealers got protection against DEA investigation because of his relationship wow. with the C- CIA. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, and it, it's estimated that he he was earning a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars a year uh, from from the U.S. Wow. Yeah, 
He was snitching on the Sandinista government in Nicaragua, as well as the goings on in Cuba, since Central America was this huge proxy battleground for Mm. the Cold War. And there are Soviet forces and the, the U.S. is very keen on opposing. And so they are using Noriega as an informant. However, as you may imagine, he's also selling intelligence back to Cuba on the U.S. Genius. And they know about this as well. The CIA is aware of this as well. So it's this super complicated relationship. uh, And it's really at its height when George H.W. Bush is director of the CIA. Uh-huh. Uh, in the 70s. And then, of course, he becomes vice president to Reagan and president in he's elected in 1988. Um, so Omar Torrijos, the dictator, dies in a plane crash in 1981. It's an accident, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. And then coincidentally, Noriega uh, takes over from him, gradually accumulating more power largely through using the military as his sort of power apparatus. That's the Panama Defense Forces, or PDF, which is what the file <laughs> format is named after. <laughs> well, a little known fact. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's just the service we provide on the <laughs> little known facts. So every time you save a PDF, you are supporting the Panama Defense Forces. Mm. Uh, Noriega gets money from the U.S. to modernize and expand the PDF. And then in 1983, through some shady maneuvering, he becomes the de facto ruler of Panama. He's not elected, but elections don't matter. (laughs) And as is inevitable, given how complicated the web is, uh, the relationship between Noriega and the U.S. starts to decline uh, because even though Bush is now the vice president, it's becoming harder and harder to value the intel Noriega provides over the bad things he does, like running the drug trade and murdering people. Uh, (laughs) And so eventually the U.S. starts to pull back from supporting him and thinking of him as this valuable asset. Uh, In May 1989, there's an election in Panama. How do you think it went? Um, Was it a free and fair election that passed without trouble? (laughs) It was not. Uh, That's right. The opposition candidate won, but Noriega voided the results and blamed foreign interference. Uh, Yeah, Probably some truth there, but uh, the U.S., decides that the opposition candidate did win and they treat him as the president. And the US does get to decide all elections in the Americas. (laughs) That's true. That's our sphere of influence, uh, also known as the globe. Um, Noriega disagrees with this statement by the US. Uh, There are a few coup attempts against him, but he prevails. And in October 1989, he declares himself the maximum leader of the country, which is very good. good. Yeah. Supreme leader. uh, You know, you don't need a maximum leader. Wow. Yeah. How big was he? Maximum. (laughs) How many Taylor Swifts was he? (laughs) (laughs) Well, now the U.S. is getting a little bit agitated. um, And it doesn't help that as relationships, as his relationship with the U.S. is deteriorating, uh, Noriega shifts his allegiance towards the Soviets. Mm -hmm. He gets closer to Cuba, Nicaragua and Libya. And so the U.S. starts drawing up contingency plans, contingency plans Mm -hmm. to invade Panama if... If they had to. Should need arise. But they didn't need to. Well, no, of course not. Uh, On December 13th, 1989, Taylor Allison Swift is born in (laughs) Reading, Pennsylvania. (laughs) On December 15th, 
Panama passes a resolution Ooh. declaring that a state of war exists between Panama and the and U.S. Taylor Swift. And, and Taylor Swift, especially Const- Taylor Swift. Coincidence? I don't think so. I don't know. You, you, you decide. Uh, and then the next day on December 16th, four U.S. servicemen in Panama are stopped at a PDF checkpoint. The official stance is that they were unarmed and just going to dinner together. But the Panamanian officials maintain that they were armed. Regardless, in the confrontation, a U.S. Marine is shot and killed. And this becomes the catalyst for the invasion. So on December 20th, the U.S. invades, and it's actually the largest military action since the Vietnam War, which wow. I thought was interesting. Um, and according to Bush, H.W. Bush, who's now the president, there are four objectives. Number one, safeguarding the lives of the 35,000 U.S. citizens in Panama. Number two, defending democracy and human rights. Mm. Number three, combating drug trafficking. And number four, protecting the integrity of the Torrijos-Carter treaties, which were around the neutrality of the Panama Canal. This whole protracted move to give the canal back to Panama's control. Uh, And it's, yeah, it's obviously hugely strategic, hugely strategically important to the U.S. um, And so they want to make sure that the canal can continue to be a neutral zone. Maximum important. Ma- maximum leadership importance. <laughs> uh, the U.S. public is hugely in support of this invasion. Uh, we weren't able to track down how Taylor Swift, as a one-week-old infant, felt about it. <laughs> but the country as a whole gave it around 80% can, approval. And we can take a look at the... We can sort of draw a trend line back from her current politics, can't yeah, we? Yeah, we can. So we, we can. can see that she'd almost certainly have been in favour of a wider invasion of, uh, of yeah. neighbouring countries as <laughs> yeah. well. And I think if you actually... You know, she famously hides secret messages in her liner notes. And <laughs> I think a lot of them espouse a sort of scorched earth policy yes, to towards Central America. Central America. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. yeah. She also never wears hats. <laughs> That's true. Have you, ever, have you ever seen Taylor Swift with Not a hat once. on? Yeah. Never. There you go. Agreed. It's because of her giant 13-foot head. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So in addition to having Taylor Swift's support, it was very popular in Panama as well, with 92% of people supporting the invasion. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. And uh, a lot of people actually wish that the U.S. had intervened earlier and taken over during the failed coup attempt. Um, So, yeah, that was interesting. The invasion is pretty quick. The priority is finding Noriega. The U.S. sinks his boat and destroys his jet to try to prevent him from leaving the country. And he remains at large for a few days before realizing he can't outrun the U.S. forever. He seeks refuge in the apostolic nunciature of the diplomatic mission of the Holy See in Panama City. So basically claiming asylum in the, oh yeah, the Vatican Embassy. Oh, wow. U.S. forces can't invade the embassy because that's, you know, Vatican uh, and, and, and territory. because God won't let them. Because God won't let them, primarily because <laughs> God won't let them. So they set up a perimeter around it and try various strategies to get him out, including my favorite, uh, blaring rock music at super loud volumes because Noriega hates wow. rock music. Would you like to guess what band they chose in particular? Oh, 1989. Is it going to be something like ACDC? Mm. Close, close. Meatloaf. (laughs) (laughs) If you combine ACDC and Meatloaf, you get the answer, which is Van Halen. Oh, that's actually, do you know what? That is pretty (laughs) much an exact combination of the two. (laughs) (laughs) So they they blare Van Halen. I'm sure the poor Vatican ambassador is also miserable about this, but um, Noriega. Did he want to 
jump out the window. Nice. Very good. Can I have another one? <laughs> was, was there an eruption of anger? <laughs> was he hopping mad? No. no that's not. Is that a Van Halen jump. Oh. Panama <laughs> is also one of their songs. Really? Yes. <laughs> oh, I wonder if it was about this. <laughs> uh, and that's all the songs I know. Okay, good. Well, after 10 days of listening to Jump on repeat, uh, Noriega surrenders. He's extradited to the US and charged with a whole host of things, drug trafficking, racketeering, etc. Does anybody actually know what racketeering is? That's like just, I think it's just like what we call side hustles these days. <laughs> <laughs> so all those TikTok influencers. Yeah, he's a, to get he's rich a quick. grifter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's a hustle, the hustle economy. He's <laughs> um, reselling sneakers or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's ultimately sentenced to 40 years in prison. He's released after 17 years for good behavior. But unfortunately, he'd also been convicted for various crimes yeah. by a bunch of other countries. And so he essentially spends the remainder of his life in prison. And he died in 2017. Uh, just a few other little facts before I wrap up. The operation involved the unprecedented use of women in the U.S. Army. One. <laughs> At that time, it was one woman. <laughs> I think it was literally, I was like, ooh, unprecedented, how many? And it was 600 out of 26,000. So yeah. Was it really? Is that the actual number? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, they didn't serve in direct combat roles, but this was the Good first Lord, no. time they were... No, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Guns are heavy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is the first time they were really involved in the effort. But Captain Linda Bray was said to be the first woman to lead U.S. troops in battle cool. after she and her squadron endured a three-hour firefight against PDF troops. So, good on oh. you, Linda. Uh, the UN General Assembly passed a resolution declaring the invasion unlawful, and a similar resolution was put forward in the Security Council, but vetoed by the US, the UK, and France. <laughs> Thanks, buddies. Uh, and it was almost certainly illegal under US law as well, since Bush didn't get congressional approval before invading Panama. Oops. YOLO. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, one final note on the name. You'll remember my three words were why, just cause. Mm. Uh, the operation was originally called Operation Blue Spoon, but it was renamed Operation Just Cause, C-A-U-S-E, oh, yeah, yeah. to sustain the perceived legitimacy of the invasion. But critics refer to it as Just Cause, okay, as gotcha. in yeah, yeah. it had <laughs> been undertaken just because Bush felt like it. Pretty funny. Well, it's pretty good. Yeah. I, I have one small fact actually about Noriega. Okay. So back in the early days of 2010 sometimes, yeah. um, the Call of Duty game. He is a character in it mm. with the code name, um, I think it's uh, Lost Prophet or Ooh. like a False Prophet or something like okay. that. And he sued them. Really? In his 80s, he sued them for like defamation and that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, and so there you go. So he's, he's still, still going strong in the early 2010s sometime. That is... Yeah, I think it was a False Prophet. Yeah. A false Prophet. That's a good code name. Very good. I was um, reading his Wikipedia and there was a picture of him and I was like, oh my God. God, he looked rough. And then I realized it was a still from that game. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that makes a little more sense. That's so, funny. <laughs> uh, so that's that. That's the 1989 US invasion of Panama. Okay, this week I'm going to talk about an alleged incident involving a ufo Ooh. in voronezh in russia and let's get one thing out the way 
immediately it straight was off the bat taylor swift it was a, it must have been the arrival on earth <laughs> of our lord <laughs> and messiah taylor swift no, i mean obviously i mean basically none of this happened right because it's about an alien so mm. wink wink yeah okay <laughs> you can all judge for yourselves but yeah. <laughs> but, but it's it's pretty unlikely i mean come on so um but anyway there we go so so this was basically an alien sighting reported by a group of children <laughs> Okay. Nothing more credible than a child. As yeah. a man that grew up in Ireland, where there's every single mile, there's a different statue that a bunch of kids saw moving. <laughs> so oh, I'm, in, I'm in. I believe this straight away. <laughs> so it was, it was on um, on the sept- on September the twenty seventh, nineteen eighty nine. Uh, so I guess it couldn't have been Swifty. Uh, no, she would have been near near near, near term. Okay, but... so this could be a kind of um, yeah. Premonition. Okay, so as as a result, so this area naturally has been very popular with UFO hunters mm-hmm. ever since, and so all the local community massively support the furthering of this of course, sure. rumor in a, in a in a kind of Loch Nessy kind of way. Yeah, the UFO economy. Right, exactly. Area, area fifty one, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, stuff. yeah. yeah exactly. Where one hundred percent of the economy is based on selling Area fifty one trinkets and stuff like that, and yeah. like leasing film rights to yeah, Hollywood, yeah, yeah, exactly. like letting them film on site. So according to the Soviet news agency TASS, uh, the boys were playing football in a city park and saw, quote, a pink glow in the sky and then saw a deep red ball about three metres in diameter. The ball circled, vanished, then it reappeared minutes later and hovered, Mm. end quote. Here's my first question. Mm. How old were the boys? What I want to know is had they learned the concept of diameter yet? Because already the story could fall (laughs) apart. It could be the sun. As well, um, so they were teenagers. They were teen. Okay, so Young they probably teenagers. knew diameter. They know diameter. Okay, mm-hmm. is I'm all in. Then I believe them. Yep, checks out. Two pi r. No, hang on, that's circumference. <laughs> Apple pie, delicious. No. Something. Cherry pi r squared. <laughs> diameter is just twice the radius. Yeah, exactly. Two, two r. <laughs> it's just, just, just your classic pi. pi. Just, just draw a line from the middle out, and yeah. then double it. Keep the line going the other and direction. Do, do the same thing. In do it twice. Yeah. That's basically what they learned. That is Russian education system for sure. They learn more than me. Okay, so these children claim to have also seen a quote three-eyed alien unquote oh. <laughs> wearing bronze-coloured boots and a disc on the chest. A disc. And, mm. A disc on the chest mm. and a robot. And they saw both right. that alien and the robot exiting this object. And, and then according to the children, the alien then used a ray gun yep. to make a 16-year-old boy disappear mm. until the object departed and then the boy reappeared. Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. So there's some quite specific claims we've got Very here. Very specific claims. I'd like to know more about the disc on the chest. <laughs> and the bronze boots. That's a brave it's, choice. To be fair, it sounds, yeah, it sounds pretty bold. Sounds sort of Bowie-esque. Yeah, exactly. I think um, I, I think that's one of the most remarkable things about this is how there's a fashion sense of the alien. Yeah. It's what that tells us about their culture. Yeah, and can they please bring that fashion forward attitude? Uh, they're at least Earth. Bronze Age technology. <laughs> exactly. That's right. Yeah, and um, when was the disc invented? When was the disc invented? Yeah. I, so, so wait. Okay. So he, he zaps the boy. Right. Boy disappears. Yeah. How long does the ball hover for? The craft? Some sometime. Sometime. And then it disappears and the boy reappears. That is correct. Was there a sound effect? Because <laughs> <laughs> we can we can judge which era of sci-fi they're influenced by by the sound effect. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Was it more of a pew? It was a Star Trek star. Yeah. It, it, 
Sorry, sorry, go on. Is there more to this? Is this- I mean, there's not much more because obviously it's all <laughs> bullshit, right? But I mean, it's, there, there is, there's, there's more detail which we can be, remain su- like, similarly dubious More of. about the death. More <laughs> about the death. So the children were the only ones claiming to have witnessed the aliens. Yeah. yeah. And then later on, a guy called Lieutenant Sergei Matyevev uh, from the Voronezh police uh, also claimed to have seen a, quote, body flying in the sky. Oh, uh, okay. Okay, so um, So he saw something moving in the Was sky. Was it a priest being thrown out of a house? helicopter. <laughs> um, and I also, I love the reaction from the interior ministry as a whole, who basically said they'd dispatch troops if it reappeared. <laughs> <laughs> That's so Russian. Like, yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah, Let us know if it comes back. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. So a little more detail on the claim. So on October the 9th, so what's that, a couple of weeks later, yeah. um, Tass reported that a correspondent had spoken to 10 or 12 youths who claimed to have seen this flying saucer. And in the original article, uh, they'd, uh, there was a quote from a Dr. Silinov from the Geophysical Laboratory who uh, confirmed the location of the landing, he said, using biolocation techniques. Oh! Bio, biolocation. biolocation. And it turned out the method of biolocation was basically <laughs> him using dowsing rods. Oh, ah, okay, yeah. Okay. Um, which is, uh, yeah, I mean, there's not entire confidence is, is, in that method of, of is location. Is dowsing rods a thing in the US as well? Or is it yeah. like just kind of quackery in the UK and, and stuff? Oh no, we definitely have yeah, it. Yeah, so you hold sticks I mean, it's, or a it's stick. It's quackery everywhere, okay, yeah. to be clear. <laughs> no, it's real here. It's real to me. Yeah. Um, like, the thing is though, all right, with any basic kind of oceanic country, if you dig down enough in any place in that country, you hit water. Yes. So you can get a dowsing rod and just walk anywhere. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And Ah. say, dig here. Yeah. And if you dig for far enough, you get water. I mean, Voronezh is not particularly oceanic. In the sense that it's in the middle of Russia, which what? is far from the sea. Yeah, but still, like, pretty much there's water tables going to be there somewhere. There's water somewhere. There's, water there's water somewhere. somewhere. There's always water somewhere. <laughs> Basically, the centre of the earth is water. <laughs> it's my you hypothesis. Heard it here oh, first. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. <laughs> All those volcanoes <laughs> spewing out fizzy water. Jets we know, water. Which is exactly what they do, isn't yeah. it? And then Perrier bottling it up. That's right. <laughs> Volcanic water is where it comes from. Yeah, big so, so this report then became one of a series of, of reports that were then publicised by the Soviet government uh-huh. as they were then seeking to kind of show their openness during this time 
time period of like that kind of like that they wouldn't repress stories like oh, this, this is glasnost yeah, yeah. Basically. it's just like it got kind of caught up in glasnost so <laughs> yeah. so wow. they're, they're basically setting themselves apart like in in saying well in america all these stories get repressed yeah and the, and the, the authorities don't tell you the truth whereas here we're telling you all, everything that's happening yeah we're so much better look we'll tell you all about the robots and the disc on his chest <laughs> <laughs> so there were then hundreds of these hundreds of these reports oh. um over the next sort of couple of years and um in the initial publicity a private company that was formed to then sell tours of the place so Classic. initially started yeah. immediately started to exploit the thing that's quite a capitalistic endeavor for a nominally still yeah. communist country well, that was the mood at the time yeah, yeah. and so they, they did it they did um tours build as uh, tours of the land of aliens mm. uh, uh-huh. for 59 rubles each which Ooh. is like 95 dollars per person 95 dollars that's yeah. a lot of money um, and um, and then outside of the um, outside of Russia, uh, the a U.S. current affairs show even sent a, a crew over to try and report on the thing. So basically, everyone everyone got totally carried away. Yeah. Um, but uh, basically, uh, as the investigations continued, it turned out that um, really no one could ever come up with any any really yeah. really hard evidence the thing ever did, ever did happened. Did anyone interview the boy that disappeared, or like what was his account? Do you or did know, he just suddenly wake up? It was a blink of an eye for him. Do you um, know who that boy later became? <laughs> Vladimir Putin. <laughs> that's exactly who. Okay. Yep, that's the truth. Russia doesn't want you to know. Yeah, that's it. Because um, famously at the time, um, as as mayor of um, <laughs> mayor, yeah. mayor of um, where is he mayor of St Petersburg at the time? Yeah, um, at age he was, sixteen, he was a boy. <laughs> yeah, he was he, a boy. He, he was the boy mayor was, of St Petersburg. That's what everyone calls him. Putin was thirty-seven. <laughs> sixteen. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Sixteen-year-old. <laughs> they turned him into a. He, he aged from yes, sixteen to thirty-seven. Right. That's what happened. That's right. <laughs> he mayoring remotely. <laughs> that blink of an eye was twenty-one years for him. <laughs> he came okay. back an old man. <laughs> Hang on. This is a this is a Wait, sci-fi I'm 37. show. <laughs> oh God. Oh, that's depressing. Um, so, so there are a whole bunch of like proper tests were done, by the way, and then I'll uh, just to wrap up. So there were sixteen radiometric analyses, nineteen checks of ground around the area, yep. and nine tests for microorganisms and other other sort of chemical tests. Yeah, and none of it unearthed any evidence that there was anything. Uh, uh, and untoward. one biodetection. And the bio de- the successful biodetection. <laughs> Sorry, via dowsing rod. Successful dowsing rod experiment. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there you have it. You can make your own minds up. This is the UFO incident in Voronezh <laughs> in 1989. I want to believe. <laughs> <laughs> I do believe. One hundred percent. Please write in if you could and tell us your account of yeah. what happened to you while you disappeared for 21 years. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, my turn. Not so evolved. Given that it is Halloween, spooky, scary, Ooh. spooktober that it is, it's going to be a mystery that mm. I'm going to talk about. Uh, but first, we have to go back further in time a bit. So we're going to be discussing these spooky and weird events that happened in the 1930s in the tropical paradise that is the Galapagos Islands. Oh. Uh, this, as we all know, is an island chain about a thousand kilometres off the coast of Ecuador and owned by Ecuador. Famous for Darwin in the 1800s when he came up with his spurious lies about evolution. <laughs> but, but this podcast brought to you by the Catholic Church. <laughs> but this is now the setting for our strange tale dubbed the Galapagos Affair. Can I make a motion that we refer to them as the Galapagos Island. Oh, the Galapagos affair. Uh, yeah, that's great. It's a it's a mystery unsolved to this day, by okay. the way. So if anyone has any solutions to this, please write in. There's a reward. So 
Is there? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to offer up 10 million pounds. Ooh. Yes. And a turtle that I found. <laughs> uh, story begins in 1929 okay. when a German doctor by the name of Friedrich Ritter and Checks his out. lover, Dor Strouch. <laughs> let's, let's sure on that one. What a sexy name. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry, hang on. Dor Strouch. D-O-R-E. Maybe Dory. Dory Strouch. Dor Strouch. Can I get a spelling on Strouch? S-T-R-A-U-C-H. Yeah. There you go. So anyway... Dor and Fritter Ritter, decide to abandon their lives in Berlin to start anew on the island of Florina, which is one of the islands in the chain. Um, they sought a life of solitude and connection with nature. Ritter, who was a massive fan of Nietzsche, and he thought of himself as Nietzsche's sort of ubermensch, which uh-huh. is this idealised superman. And so he, he wanted to like test himself and prove himself. So to prepare for this and leaving Germany and his wife with his lover, uh, he decided to remove his teeth <laughs> because he, ah. wanted, he was convinced his gums would toughen up on the island and he knew there was no dentistry. Oh my God. Yes. Uh, so, so he did remove his teeth and left. So Dor, who was actually his patient, who was suffering from MS, okay. uh, multiple sclerosis, and Ritter's prescription was that any illness could be dealt with through sheer force of will and just to toughen up. And teeth removal. And teeth removal. So Dora was madly in love and she followed him there. And uh, This gumless wonder. Yes, oh, gumless no, he's, wonder. he's got gums. He's got gums. He, he, he has gums, but he, he was yeah. gummy. Um, it was a very tough and austere, austere life they led on this island alone. Um, so tough, in fact, that soon Dora's teeth were pretty infected in giving her jib. So he also removed her teeth. Oh, oh God. <laughs> I hate teeth stuff. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. So these two gummies uh, etched out a li- living on the island. There was limited water at times of the year. They cleared some land and lived basic, basically a Neolithic lifestyle. Wow. Um, but as you might suspect, they kind of grew a bit madder. Yeah. Uh, they were known to wander the island naked and passing ships would speak of them. They fell out with each other all the time and they would go days without talking to each other. Are they, do you know what the population of the islands were? Two. It's literally just them it's on this It's literally just island. them on this island. Wow. Oh so God, there was that's like, horrible. Like no one lived in the Galapagos. Yeah. Um, there were some people that would come and go from the main island. Yeah. Um, and there's a settlement that was a little like bit a older there, but like, but, 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 but a bit older, yeah, yeah, a few more people there. But in this island, just two. Oof. And, um, so they grew to, grew to hate each other effectively and sort of lived next to each other, but, you know, rondering naked. Um, but uh, they were there basically for the spiritual and emotional transformation that they wanted to have. And they okay. wrote poetry and philosophical things and all that kind of stuff and wrote letters homes and that kind of stuff. But it was clear that this harsh conditions and the isolation weighed heavily on them. And uh, this was echoed in their writings and back home and that oh kind God, of stuff. Oh God, their poetry must have been such shit. Oh yeah. <laughs> so and the, uh, emo. And-, and the thing is, ships would pass and dock from time to time, mainly whalers. And they'd bring back tales of these strange, weird people living there, naked on the island. They'd bring back letters and stuff and uh, as some sort of maybe alternative living commune kind of thing. And this myth actually spread and it was published in the US and in Europe. Um, and so... Guess what? More people decided to come. Oh God! And so the next what set- part of this yeah. is is appealing. Yeah. Well, you, you don't have to be weighed down the burden of teeth. <laughs> that's, that's true. <laughs> or clothes. Whistling or becomes so much more effective. <laughs> um, and so the next group came, which were the Whitmers from Germany. So Margaret, the mother, Heinz, 
the father, and their 15-year-old son, oh Harry. Oh my God. Yes. And Margaret was pregnant. Oh. And so Margaret figured, well, we know that uh, uh, Ritter is a doctor, so he can, uh, Ritter is a doctor, so he can help us give birth. Anyway, they arrived on Florina with a dream of a simpler life, but they actually brought with them sort of conventional expectations, like, I don't know, let's build a nice house, uh-huh. let's have animals, uh-huh. let's grow vegetables and not just scavenge and that kind of stuff. So the Whitmers saw in Florina this chance for a fresh start. They were really helpful about the health prospects for their son, who had some health issues, but um, they wanted to establish a more traditional settlement. Um, and that sort of butted against the ideas of the other two on the sure. island. So even though they were now neighbours, the relationship between the two groups was very, very frosty as they sort of basically saw that they were like living it wrong and doing it wrong. And they barely interacted or spoke. And uh, yes, the animosity animosity was stoked even further when yet another group arrived. Oh my God. This group, again, opposed to the other two, was headed by one Eloise Wehrborn de Wagner Bosquet, a self-styled <laughs> baroness. Right. Of the Hamburg Busquets? <laughs> yes, exactly. She arrived to the island with her two young lovers and a machine gun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Eleanor, Eloise uh, copies my packing list. Yeah, so her two lovers were called Robert Philipson and Rudolf Lorenz. And they were in like this sort of open relationship type thing. She like, sure, like just brought two boys to yeah, no, basically. I see no problem with yeah, this. Yeah. Um, uh, so <laughs> she proclaimed herself uh, as the empress of the island and she sort of laid down her plan to the others there of her intention to build a luxury hotel in the island <laughs> to bring hordes of people from Hollywood and the likes to come to this island paradise. So these three sort of groups of people sort of completely at odds with each other. Yeah. Tensions among the settlers were inevitable. Ritter and Strouch's disdain for the societal norms clashed with Whitmer's more conventional aspirations. The Baroness's antics, her territorial claims and her attempts to control the island's resources exacerbated conflicts. She was doing things like she would go down to the beach in her bikini and sort of coo at sailors going by and attempt to drum up the island's reputation for having beautiful women, etc. Sure. Drum up the sort of like, oh, this exotic paradise. There was clashes over pretty much everything. What did she do with the machine gun? She just basically had it. Okay. It's just, just, just had it. Yeah. She wasn't like shooting no, tortoises. She, or I think she kind of chopped some animals and stuff, but sure. no, nothing crazy. <laughs> nothing super crazy. Uh, there's clashes over almost everything access to water, animals wandering through, the open relationship the Baroness had. There was just palpable animosity. Another complex part of this was that Rudolph, one of the lovers, would sometimes seek refuge with the Whitmores, claiming that Eloise was abusive and preferred Robert over him. So the Whitmores took him in. Margaret thought him, though secretly, to be weak and resented him taking their supplies. Oh Some other people thinking that there might have been a tryst amongst Margaret as well. So there's entangling the groups even further. This genuinely sounds like it could be a reality TV show on air right now. Oh, 100%. 100%. Thing- like some executive is going to hear this and think. <laughs> Let's recreate it. So things grew even more heated because Ritter and Strauch suspected the Baroness of intercepting their mail. So they would send mail back. <laughs> ma- I just, it's so funny to me that they were getting mail. Well, like they would send it, it'd take months to get back or yeah. whatever, but they'd send mail and then they'd get newspapers back months, months later. Yeah. And they'd realise that some of their letters were being published. Oh. So some of their letters were being published as 
Tales from the Crazy Islanders, um, and heavily editorialized and sensationalized, and then sort of aggrandizing Eloise as the leader of this island and that mm. kind of stuff, and these troublesome reprobates rolling around without any teeth. So uh, potentially Eloise was was doing this. We yeah. actually don't know uh, to drum up more interest in the island and build the mystique, etc., to get funding for to build a hotel and that kind of stuff. And so things came to a head, as they do. One day in 1934, Eloise and Robert disappeared. No trace left behind. Margaret claimed that the Baroness and Robert had been picked up by some friends in a yacht and headed to Tahiti. Sure. Unfortunately, the ship never arrived at Tahiti and no one else saw the ship and no record of any ship visiting the island ever appeared anywhere else in any other record. So Margaret's account is not backed up by anybody. Oh my gosh. She did it. She ate them. (laughs) Shortly after, Rudolph, now alone, he sought the company of others in the island. So, not really welcome with the Whitmores, he went to Ritter and Strotch, but tensions rose, uh, because he could like chew things, I guess. And so eventually he did decide to leave. He teamed up with a Norwegian fisherman to leave, to go to nearby Santa Cruz and onto the mainland. But tragedy hit. Sometime later, they were both found dead on the beach of Marchina Island, suspected to have died from dehydration. Him and the Norwegian fisherman. Him and the Norwegian fisherman. It's not known how they got there, how they went off course, how long they were there, how they didn't find water. Like it was a pretty austere island, but like it's very suspicious that they would hang around long enough to die from dehydration. So another mystery there. Mm. And again, soon after this, still in 1934, Dr. Ritter died. The exact cause is under debate, but was speculated to be food poisoning after some boiled chicken was prepared during a particularly uh, time of uh, where there's very little water in the island. So it's unusual in that Strouch didn't get food poisoning because they ate the same thing and Mm. didn't get sickness for something so serious that could kill a guy. Um, And the accounts of his death differ from Strouch and Margaret. Strouch says that he lost his ability to speak and passed away quietly. Margaret said that he was effing and blinding and accused Strouch of poisoning him. So, God. Ma- I will say Margaret likes to tell tales. Oh, yeah. I, I'm not uh, sure Margaret is a trustworthy character. And so the, Margaret and, and Dor both wrote memoirs later on. Dor returned to Germany and wrote her memoirs and eventually died in 1943. Yeah. And like her story and account of things completely like nearly everything sort of contradicts uh, Margaret's accounts and other accounts as well. Like no one has the same two accounts of any one story effectively. Um, Heinz, the father, inventor of sauces. uh, (laughs) And beans. And beans. Canner of beans. In 1963 on the island. Uh, But Margaret went on to live until the year uh, 2000. I said 200, 2000. Um, She wrote a book about the whole thing called Florina, A Woman's Pilgrimage to the Galapagos, uh, which narrated her version of events. Um, uh, uh, and all the conflict and all that kind of stuff. But we don't really know what actually happened. Yeah. Uh, the Galapagos Affairs remains one of the most tantalizing unsolved mysteries of the 20th century. And there's no definitive answer. Um, it's just a lot of intrigue surrounding it and it's only grown with time. The story has been subject to numerous books, articles, and even a documentary done in 2014, which you can watch on YouTube. Can and will. Uh, it's very interesting and it shows the animosity because some actual footage and photographs of the time. Um, all attempting to piece together this puzzle. Uh, so it's totally nuts uh, and the documentary goes into way more detail. 
1989? Yeah, I was about to ask. The book, The Galapagos Affair, which was a big deep dive and one of the first big exposés and like, you know, there's accounts of it, but this is like, wait, this doesn't match up. Yeah. Um, was written by a man named John Treherne. Was published in uh, 1983, uh, but but he died we're in... Getting, 19- we're getting closer the to 89. The paperback came out in... <laughs> yeah. The paperback came out the in 1985. The TV movie was in 87. <laughs> no, no, he died in 1989 in Swindon. <laughs> oh my god well, the, sorry the guy who wrote the book yeah, yeah. the he, guy he, who wrote the book about a book, the island a book about yeah. it but died yeah. in Swindon and just a bit more about him his other famous works no no, 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 no. <laughs> included the strange history of Bonnie and Clyde and the dangerous precincts uh, and that's it that's oh my, my bit about God. the most tenuous connection. That's worse than anything I've ever done. <laughs> I, think, I think that's true. It's topped only by Ant's other big number one. You, you don't was. even want to know what the Dangerous Precincts is about? No. It's a gripping account of the false accusations made by the against the Archdeacon of Stow and the highly questionable trial which he was subjected, following which he was deprived of his ministry of Lincoln Cathedral. There you go. That's another book that he did. But he died in 19. But he died. And what was his name? Uh, did you even tell us his name? Yes, I did. His name was John John Traherne. John, John Traherne. Okay. Very famous author. One, one of the towering figures of the 20th century. He actually was pretty well known in circles. He was, he was like in friends. In Swindon. You know, he's fr- friends with like some really famous people, um, like actresses and stuff like that. I think he was like one of the, the, the cool set. Uh, I think. Yeah, he was. <laughs> trust me he was <laughs> I mean at this point I'll never trust you again but I did enjoy learning about the Galapagos yeah. affair Diana Doors who's friends with and De- Desmond Morris famous people of the time <laughs> <sighs> you're welcome <laughs> unbelievable you could have just covered him <laughs> <laughs> I, when you when you said the book came out in 1983, I was like, where are we going? Oh, my God. 1989, one of the most consequential years in human history. You're welcome. The death of John Traherne. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us. That's everything you'd ever need to know about minor authors who died in the year 1989 <laughs> and uh, UFOs that may or may not have portended the coming of Taylor Swift. This is definitely our spookiest episode. It's absolutely our spookiest episode. Uh, all that's left to do then is fire up the random number generator and find out what random author we're going to be talking about next. <laughs> okay, so as a reminder, we set the random number generator to choose a year between 1000 BCE and 2000 CE and the year for next week is mm-hmm. 1743. Oh. Good. I know exactly what I'm going to do. You already know which semi-famous person who John died Grisham. in that year. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. John Grisham the first. Uh, okay. Amazing. Well, you if you want to hear our Taylor Swift mm-hmm. mini episode... Join the Patreon, okay. so and good. then yes. you too can be as beautiful and intelligent as Christine. I've also been posting some extra stuff. There. I don't know if you've seen this, but I posted a, I made a, I wanted to convince my girlfriend to get an Indian takeaway, and so I made a funny I video. I did for see her. that. Yeah. It was 
quite funny. <laughs> I've never been able to successfully log into the Patreon, so I have that's not. Really that's true. <laughs> yeah. Basically, I'm hilarious, Anna, and I want you to agree I believe it. Good. I believe it. We also will have, a, I think, a new episode of our uh, continuing League of Lies, League of Lies competition coming up on the Patreon that's as true. well. So if you like lies, patreon.com slash randomly want to support us, that'd be great. All right. And in the meantime, we will see you in two weeks for 1743. See you then. Happy Halloween. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thank you.